Uh, would you open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1? 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'd like for us to look at a passage of scripture today that talks about a mother. And we're going to look at mothers coming this month because of the birth of Jesus Christ. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, if you would find that, if you have one of our supplied Bibles there, it would be at page 185. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, there was a certain man from the Ramathim and a Ziphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. And we wonder sometimes of the formation of these places because this was the very early at the forming of Israel as a nation. And so we could ask, well, who is this uh, man, this Elkanah? Well, if it wasn't who his son was, we'd never have heard of him. This is what his son became and his family became and is in the scriptures, or this man we never would have had any part whatsoever. But he, the Bible says that he was a righteous man and made sure that he went up to Shiloh, where that's where the temple was, the temporary temple before they built in Jerusalem, prior to King David. So here is, he was a righteous man, and he had his family, and he said that he had two wives. One was Hannah, and the other was Penai. And Penani had, had children, but Hannah had none. Do you think there could be a problem with having two wives? Now, I would like to suggest, if we look carefully in Scripture, it appears that every time there were multiple wives, there tended to be problems. And so I would suggest to you gentlemen not to take a second wife. I think that that would, uh, scripturally, I think it would be uh, more, and maybe the wives would say, yes, uh, yes, I would probably not like to share that role with someone else. But anyway, there were issues in that family. But it was common to have that because of what happened. And year after year, the Bible says, this man went up to his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophniah and Phinehas, they were the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. And whenever, whenever the day came for Elkanai to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penani, and to her sons and daughters, which we don't know exactly how many. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Do you think there could be a problem there? That he was favoring Hannah, which was his first wife. But she didn't give him any children, so he took a second one and he wanted to pass on his heritage. Of course, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she would weep and could and would not eat. And she was a sad woman because she could not bear children. And she would go, and this was a thorn in the flesh. Ha ha, he has children with me, he doesn't have children with you. And so he went after her, he must love me more, blah, blah, blah. They didn't understand about the medical things at those times. But it appeared that the Lord, according to the scriptures, that the Lord closed her womb. So she could not have children. And her husband, Elkanai, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhardened? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? 
To me, this is an example of men being clueless. Sometimes guys are clueless. When I do uh, counseling with, um, with a couple and they're getting married, I uh, often say to them, now, you have to remember that men are clueless. So if you want something, you just got to lay it right out there. You know, if you try to beat around the bush and little hints, it's never going to work. You got to just lay it right out there exactly. Isn't that right? I see some people nodding. Yes, that's right. You got to lay it right out there. So he was clueless why there was a problem. I, I'm, I'm your husband. Don't you love enough for you? And not understanding the dynamics within his own family. At least it appears that way. And once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, this was ceremonial eating and drinking, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the house of the Lord, there at the tent. And in deep anguish, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord, Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord. For all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, for me, as I was sitting there, I go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't that a quid pro quo? Maybe you've heard of a quid pro quo lately. We're not going to deal with the present one. We're going to deal with this one. Quid pro quo. So if I do something for you, if you do something for me, I will do something for you. If you grant me my wish, if you grant me my wish that I can have a son, I will then give him to you for the rest of his life. So I will devote him and I will make this process this thing so I can have my son. Have my son. So it will let me out of my grief and my misery and so I can tell this other wife to go her own way because I have a son now. Now, it would appear to me <laughs> that her reasons were selfish, basically selfish. Were they not? Now, you know, I, we, tend to, we tend to give, because we're a pious woman and so forth about it, we tend to give approval to Hannah for what she did. We didn't say, oh, yes, that was, she was a really devout woman. She went and made this thing. My, would any of us do that? Probably not. Do that. We'd try to make that. Man, that would be a lot to ask. So forth. But in reality, in reality, she made this bargain with her. Bargain with God. If I give you, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. A bargain. Quid pro quo. which I want to ask you or point something out. Look at that. We have a right to appeal to God for our troubles. We have a right to appeal to God our, I misspelled there, for our troubles. You know, it's, it's amazing that, that we can do that. Even out of selfishness, even out of selfishness. 
She prayed from her heart. She gave a prayer from her heart. It was a sincere desire. She was in misery. And it troubled her greatly. And it appears the scriptures are saying to us, she had the right, she had the thing to take that trouble to God, whether it was selfish or not. She went to God. As she kept praying, the Bible says, as she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. She was praying silently, but her mouth was moving. Hannah was praying in her heart, the Bible says, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. How would he know that? Because his sons got drunk. And she said to her, he said to her, how long have you been going to stay drunk? Put away your wine, he said to her. Put away your wine. He said like that. No, she said. No, it's not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is in deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that she went on to tell Eli what the problem was. But Eli, and I believe inspired by the Lord, as the Lord was moving through this high priest, as he was observing this, I believe as he responded, and Eli said, go in peace, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. Was that the part, was that the thing that was responding to go in peace to go do that was that the part that was to be happening go in peace and she said may your servant find favor in your eyes then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast no longer downcast she took eli's word as to be an affirmation of that she would have a child from God. That's what she took from his comment as he said, well, go your way. May the Lord grant you your wish. So that dynamic taking place, whether Eli recognized that he was making that or was just saying something off the cup, I don't know. Because we don't know that she, he even knew but the, from the scriptures. But the, the power is she understood that that was a yes from the Lord. And so she went away and she was no longer downcast. In reality, there's really no reason why God should grant her request. He doesn't have to grant her request. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't necessarily get into quid pro quo. Does God need to get into quid pro quo? You do this for me, I'll do that for you. God doesn't operate on that. But God granted her request anyway. Anyway. And I think of that, and I think, what kind of a loving God is that? I understand that my parents, um, my adoptive parents could have no children. My sister and I, older sister and I, were adopted. And when we were about five or six, um, 
we prayed that God would send us that we could have another child in our hand. We were praying for having a sister. Well, my mother uh, went to, uh, was not feeling well, and she went to see her brother, who was a doctor, and she gave her some tests and said, well, Lois, you're pregnant. She said, I can't be. It's impossible for me to be pregnant. I cannot get pregnant. Nine months later, it proved that was not true. Four years later after that, it proved it again that that was not true. I prayed for a brother and I got a sister. So anyway, so that tells you a little something, doesn't it, about a prayer. So, so uh, but God granted the request. Amazing. Didn't have to. And after, and after the child was weaned, she took the boy with her young as he was, along with three-year-old bull and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And when the bull had been uh, sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, to Eli the high priest, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as I live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. That must have been a tough day. Giving up your child. And she called him Samuel, asked of God. That's what Samuel means, asked of God. She asked God for him. This woman kept her vow. She kept her vow. I can imagine what that mother was going through. Maybe, uh, maybe do I need to keep my vow? Do I need to do that? You know, this is such a young boy. You know, maybe I should delay or whatever. Let him have a choice. She kept her vow because she believed strongly that the Lord answered. And wouldn't you say, whether her reasoning was selfish or not, she was devoted to the Lord and the Lord answered her prayer. And the Lord was with her. So he gave him to Eli, who was not a very good parent, who had some boys that were reckless, but... Hannah's teaching of her son set that boy on his journey to remain faithful to God. And the Lord called him at a very young age and began to work with him as the prophet. It was through, it was through Samuel that the nation was really established. It was through Samuel's leadership and the choosing and the going and the setting up of the kingdom that God helped establish. So he brought his prophet about just on time, just when he needed, and it was Hannah's little boy, Elkanah. But if you read the second chapter, Hannah prays again. And in chapter 2, 
which some, if you look at it, if you have it in your Bible, if you can see there, it might be in poetry section. Do you see how it's not in prose? It's just in a poetry section. So the prayer that she prays, do you have that? I've tried to put it on the screen. You see where it has a poetry type of way. It's in Hebrew poetry. And as it is given and it is shared with there, uh, parts of it, as you look at that, it's actually a song. It's a poetry. It's a, it's a song of prayer that is given. And whether she gave that immediately or not, I don't know. Some think this came later. But she gives this praise, which is unique because it has some unique things in this that appear prior to future events. For example, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted up. And they would make the trumpet call. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance, Lord. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like you. There is no rock like you. Ooh. What a fascinating thing. Because if you read the whole prayer, she is actually prophesying in this prayer, speaking about the prayer, is speaking about King David. But she's also in this speaking about Christ. Because the rock, the rock, if you remember the rock, the rock was where the water came out, remember? They were in the desert, and there was the rock, and the Lord poured out the water out of the rock. The sustaining living water that they needed came out of a rock, poured out of a rock. And that rock, as we know, represented Christ, did it not? And so she, in this prayer, in this song prayer that she gives here in Samuel 2, is talking about the rock of ages. The rock of ages. What a beautiful thing, the rock of ages. The sustaining life that we depend on comes from that rock, from Jesus himself. So Samuel went on to be the great prophet, the great prophet of God. And you can read the activities of Samuel the setting up of King David's throne and the whole thing is all right there. That whole experience written in the scriptures. But we can't pass by a mother's influence on their child. You as mothers, the influence, mothers, grandmothers, on your children. So many times in the scriptures, it was the mother, the mother who taught the children. Just as it was, as we're told, that, that it was Hannah who took great care to train her child. Other children like Moses, trained by her mother. Jesus, trained by his mother. The influence the women have in the household of faith from starting with little children is amazing. The church could not move without the women. 
Next week, we'll look at another mother. Another mother who had profound influence and role in the scripture, just like Hannah did. This mother, the mother of Jesus. Dear Lord, I thank you for this faithfulness of Hannah. I thank you for her beauty as a person to be committed to you in her righteousness. She asked out of selfishness, as the story goes, but you rewarded her for her faithfulness to you and her request. And what a loving and giving God you are that opens a door that all of us could ask, even if it's selfish. And we do at times. Think of ourselves first, our pain. But you are such a loving and caring God. But help us to pass on that faithfulness to our children. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, would you join us in seeing God?